You're listening to The Brian and Gina Show, the official podcast of L.A. Magazine. Here are your hosts, Brian and Gina. Hello and welcome to The Brian and Gina Show, the official podcast of Los Angeles Magazine. I'm Brian Bishop. I'm Gina Grad. You're probably wondering why I have electrodes uh, festooned to my head. I am. Uh, just to, First of all, this is we don't say this every show, but this is one you definitely need to go hit YouTube because Brian looks like Mega Mind. Yeah, uh, I look like I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm being um, I'm either tortured or I'm some sort of advanced race. Hold on, I'm thinking to, of an animal. Yeah, what, what, what am I thinking? Oh, Gina, it's disgusting. Stop thinking about that. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, no, you have uh, describe it. Describe what I'm looking at. <laughs> so, uh, as we record this, I'm going to have my uh, my big brain, not my big brain, my big mm-hmm. important brain biopsy tomorrow morning, five a.m. And as such, I have to uh, go for an MRI today, this morning. And I had these electrodes. I'm not even sure what they are. They're guidance stickers. I don't know if you can sure. See oh, they're everywhere. Oh, go youtube.com slash Los Angeles magazine videos right now. I didn't know they were also behind you. And they're kind of 3D. I don't know if you can see the yeah. texture. Yeah. But yeah, they're maybe an inch or an inch and a half off my head. Uh, and yeah, they I, they stick them on there. They do the MRI, and I assume the MRI syncs with these uh, these uh, devices, and then the computer guides the uh, surgeon's instruments uh, tomorrow morning. Wow! So these are this is a laser guided procedure. Yeah, we are in the future. We are. So I think of these two ways, and I think I asked you this before, but is this one of those where like some teenager who's really good at video games is in another room while a machine claws at your brain like the, you know, the carnival claw? Or is it the other way around, which I'm glad it is, which is the lasers are telling the doctors what to do. As, as interesting as some the, kid. Yeah, as interesting as the first scenario sounds, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't trust those claw machines. I've wasted enough money on my daughter and those claw sure. machines. So sure. they're up to no good. Yes, yeah. the laser does tell the doctor where to uh, poke the instruments. And this is something, you know, we've always referred to what you have as an inoperable tumor. This is an operation. So it is no, technically it's no longer inoperable because of scientific advancements. Yeah. I think they would still categorize it as such only because there's no way to go in and like resect the whole tumor. But yes, the the biopsy is once thought unthinkable. Literally, you know, I was told uh, initially when I was diagnosed in 2009, don't even think about it. We're we're not going to consider doing a biopsy too risky. And now here we are. I'm, wear, I'm wearing I'm wearing yellow la- laser beams on my head. You you have little and they are they look like um they look like pineapple uh um the hell are they called the the candy the lifesavers the, pineapple well, lifesavers yeah 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 it, 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 it's as though like I'm sure there's movies where people have had things embedded in their in their skin jewelry or whatnot mm-hmm. like maybe the never ending story I'm on the uh, I'm the uh, childlike empress right now. Oh, say my name, um, which got then got overtaken with uh, Brian Cranston. Say my name. That's right. That poor girl um, had a uh, had like a rough go after that. Like, like there was like there were. She was obviously very famous for that sure. role, and like people figured out where she lived, and they sent her like creepy old men would like. Yeah. Apparently they shut up at her door and would send her like letters professing their love and stuff. And she had, yeah. I think she more or less dropped out of the industry after that. Like didn't act too much. Yeah. I don't, 
I don't remember seeing her in anything. And that was one of those movies where everything feels so off that you assume it's Canadian. Yeah, it was Wolfgang Peterson who went on to direct like, The Perfect Storm and stuff like that. So okay. very accomplished director, uh, German, I'm almost positive. Sure. Uh, so it's got some weird, weird weirdness to it. Yeah, um, so weird. But I think The Childlike Empress might have been my, my first movie, like first crush. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I was probably her same age, more or less, and I was like, yeah, yeah. "That's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen." No, she is, and uh, and but it was uh, age appropriate. You were, would you would you cosplay as Bastion? No, Bastion, the rest of, say my name. No, the rest of the movie kind of freaked me out. Um, I was a sensitive boy who didn't like yeah. really surreal things. Speaking of mm. which, uh, the uh, my other show, The Film Vaults, we did a watch along last night, which we do once a month. Uh, and I got to pick the movie and I picked the most disturbing film I had ever seen in my life. Um, I saw it when I was seven, uh, The Return to Oz. Oh. <laughs> That movie sucks. <laughs> that movie haunts me to this day. Oh my god. That that's one of those movies that did did like Metro Goldwyn Mayer come out and say we have nothing to do with this? Yeah, there, there's some uh, it's funny because we have like, people watch along with us and they chat on YouTube and stuff and a lot of people yeah. are asking, "Why is this so weirdly specifically different than the the original movie?" And it's because this movie produced by a different studio was based on source material and MGM obviously put in some of their own. It's the same reason you can like, you know, make a version of Pinocchio that doesn't have Jiminy Cricket. You know what I mean? Right. I was thinking, you know, this is why, why in the movie version do they cut off one of the stepsisters heels instead of letting Cinderella have the slipper? Oh, cause that's the actual story. Not the the Disney. Disney, Yeah. The Disneyfied version. Interesting. Yeah. I've, I think I saw that movie when I was little and never again. Yeah, it, um, it upset me very much. And I had vivid memories watching it last night um, at one point. But it's funny watching it like with adult eyes because yeah. you see like you're like, oh, yeah, I was completely justified to be terrified of this scene. Not so much this scene. This scene is kind of ridiculous. But like at one point, so the premise of the film is that Dorothy, who is now 10 years old, but uh-huh. it's a sequel, uh, has these like vivid memories of Oz. And she's constantly going on to her Aunt M, not Auntie M. Aunt M sure. about like I I there's there was a scarecrow and a and a, and a, a cowardly lion and blah, blah blah and so they they think she's insane and they want to take her to um it's eighteen ninety nine right so they take her into town uh, from rural Kansas where she's going to get electroshock therapy and that is very upsetting. Oh my God! They strap her down to a gurney with like leather straps. She's right. like, "Why are you, why are you tying me down?" They're like, "Oh, so you don't fall off." And she's like, "But I made it here all the way from the farm in a carriage without falling." And they're like, "Ha, oh, little girl." Okay, well, yeah. you picked the winner when in it, terms of disturbing. It's upsetting. And- you know how little kids, like in your mind, you you like meld two things together that are not the same, but they're mm-hmm. like a joint memory. To me. Thinking about that time period, I can't differentiate Return to Oz with Tom Petty's Don't Come Around Here No More video, which is supposed oh, to be yeah. Alice in Wonderland. So those are kind of bound together in a scary, disturbing way for like a tiny Gina. Yeah, understood. Yeah. But and, and so when when Dorothy's uh, about to receive electroshock therapy and they're like wheeling her down the hall in a strapped-in gurney, there's there's screams in the background, just just disembodied screams. And imagine what that does to a sensitive, balding, chubby seven-year-old. It's not well, good. It- 
I was going to say it didn't turn you off of movies, but it might have done other internal damage that's still yet to be revealed. Yeah, I haven't recovered. Um, question. You seem very clean shaven. Is that for the procedure? It's for like, the and I'm talking about your dome. Oh, yeah. I do, I, I do shave my head every few days, and I shaved it last night, so you're seeing me about as fresh as it gets. Right. Um, that said, it's also for a little bit of uh, documentary continuity, because oh, we are sure. shooting, you know, just, just, I doubt this footage will see the light of day, as it's coming so far after the main story. That said, if it does become part of the story, I would just rather not have beard in one scene, no beard sure. in another scene. Uh, I've done Smart. a pretty good job of keeping continuity. That's great. And your your clothing should be fine since you have a nice rotation of collared shirts. You know, it's nothing's going to be out of the ordinary. It's not going to be like you with a, you know, 1980s flamingo, you know, Miami. It's timeless. T-shirt. It's a really yeah. Yeah, timeless look completely. Perfect. Speaking of which, I was unpacking a bag for my hospital stay and I'm like, what uh, What should I pack? I said to my wife and she's like, pack like a, not a polo, but like a button up shirt. You know what I mean? Oh, like, like that buttons the whole way because up. Because yeah. if I have like a wound yep. right here, yep. by my, the base of my brainstem, probably I'm not going to want to pull a shirt over. Ooh, sir. Yeah, yeah smart. Oh, Same oh. thing when uh, when my boobs got hacked. Uh, only uh, button-ups for a while. You yeah, should bring so, like a Oh, yeah. I was, thinking, I was just about to say, I'm maybe uh, live the, uh, the, the bathroom life. That's right. Uh, how long are you in the hospital? Um, the plan is for one, one night. Okay. Well, so one te- full day, I guess, because the procedure's at five in the morning. Right. I'll be there the, the rest of the day and overnight and, and ideally uh, release the next day. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, okay. Well, I, it's so funny. I want to ask you questions about what's to become of, of this, but by the time this airs, it will have become. And my it question have, sounds It, it will stupid. be. It will have been. So well, this is very I'll, I'll try and answer any questions you have from the future, but uh, who knows how responsive I'll be. Maybe I'll be texting you tomorrow. That would be amazing. Also, I'm seeing two more lifesavers that I didn't notice that are sort of holding up your glasses. Oh, my glasses are over them. They're like, yeah. Oh, oh I see. I see. Okay. Side. Yeah. God, they're everywhere. Are they on the back? No, they're not on the back. Okay. No, they're basically behind my ears. Got it. Okay. Um, yes, definitely go to youtube.com slash Los Angeles magazine videos. This is one of those where you're actually going to want to see, uh, what we're talking about. Brian looks just, just gorgeous. It's just a real once in a opportunity. So don't, don't miss it. Yeah. Um, good. Well, you know, uh, we're going to talk a little weekend action, but you're gonna want to stick around slash fast forward because um brian pulled a barbenheimer yeah and he's gonna tell us all about it i was not so lucky because on friday we were gifted because he's such a little gift we were gifted uh the dog our little Gigi, who we yes. always uh, dog sit for uh eight days and little Gigi is a shih tzu velcro dog they they call them Velcro dogs because they won't leave your goddamn oh, side. This nice. dog, I breathe. He's right there licking my face. I I have broke almost broken my neck several times in thirty six hours because he's always under my feet. Yeah, yeah. I love him. He's a cutie pie, but I can't like it's it's driving me insane. So I was too afraid to go see a movie, not two movies, a movie, because Gigi needs human contact. And Gigi has chosen me, 
yet again as his mommy. So well, plus, I, I, plus Oppenheimer is an epic three hours long. So that's, oh, a, that's a long, uh, I, I wouldn't be able to concentrate. Um, I, this little guy is just, is this, I don't know if this is normal. They say they, they, I looked it up. They said Shih Tzu dogs are Velcro dogs. They love people. They love attention. They're like little cats that bark. And so he's just my priority for the next however many days. I, that's, I, that's fantastic. He's like an energetic lap dog. It, that's exactly. And after the snip snip, he is so much more manageable. Oh, God. Oh, he was ruining my life before he got his balls chopped off. Okay. Uh, this is now he's a little more docile. Yes. And he'll kind of like sit and like sleep like a little cat. And then it gets up and he goes crazy. Uh, anyway, that's why I didn't get to do anything fun. But um, he sounds like a young version of my dog. My dog is always underfoot, always connected to us until they get up and like leave the couch. And then he's just like, so long, I'm going to lay here. So yeah, it's but, like a, a lazy version of what you're describing. Yes, but your dog is geriatric, right? That's true. This is a puppy who's just like, are you my mommy? Wow. So, so it, I didn't get to really go anywhere because God what forbid I leave the baby. What are the circumstances upon which you found yourself with this dog? Well, my friend Anna is an actress and she does pretty well. And so usually, you know, she when she has to go shoot on location and then we take the baby, we take our nephew. So she's shooting something. She's always shooting something. I don't know if I'm ever allowed to talk. I, I you know, I it, get weird about other people's business. Is it Anna but. Kendrick? Nope. Oh, is it Anna Gasthire? <laughs> nope. Okay. Is it Anna Ferris? No. But she, I would, I would venture to say that, and not, no shade to the three gorgeous, successful women you just named. My friend, Anna Maria Ezekiel's is a thousand times hotter than all of them. Oh my. So feel free to IMDB her or Google her because she's that a, something. She, she's a vision. Um, yeah, she dropped him off. You know, if I'm going to go on. Well, Gary, print us a picture of this friend. <laughs> I'll find one in a second. If I'm going to go on some, you know, six hour drive and I'm dropping my dog off at the ass crack of dawn, you're going to see me in my pajamas. And that's she was in like sexy, like video vixen cutoffs and a hot pink, like Barbie core tank top. Right. Because some people live as though people see them unlike me. Sure. So, uh, so yeah, so have the baby. Um, but I will, I do want to give coach Andy a shout out. My husband, coach Andy. Uh, we have now played three games little peewee games with my stepson's oh, little league the jayhawks adorable. the first two games here's the jayhawks the jayhawks after me thank you very nice. much because he's a coach you know little perk uh they were trounced so handily oh no how trounced were they they turned off the scoreboard oh so it's not to shame the children Correct. The first oh, two games were so, our guys literally look like a, look like a cross between the Sandlot and the Little Rascals. One has a hat. One's teeny tiny, but fast. They're, what, the girl is the star. She's, she's the, oh, they're the bad, they're the bad news Jayhawks. They are. They're, in, but they're the cutest. They're nobody, nobody's cuter than these guys. They, they doesn't exist. So the first two games were tough, but the first game we were like, wait, what's the grade level? Because we're going into third. What grade are they going into? They look like sixth graders. It was like the Gastown uh, gorillas from Bugs Bunny. Nice. They got so beaten. The second game was kind of the same. Like, what? what is the age group? What? So the first two were just monsters. Both times the scoreboard was turned off. The kids were depressed. Andy, you said, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. It was the all is lost moment. Thank God for Saturday morning. 
because the kids were evenly matched, normal looking kids, and they were short a few, literally. So uh, the ref said, do you want to just forfeit? And Andy's like, oh, no. But no, my, he went, he went uh, Norman Dale from Hoosiers. My team's on the floor. <laughs> exactly. So we actually loaned out two of our kids, of our oh. you know, good kids, over to that team. We're like, you guys are the heroes. You know, don't worry. So our team won 27 to whatever, 16. Something but, less than 27. Yes. But I say our team actually put up. 33 points. Oh, that was a good point. Those points were from our kids. That's right. So they, it was the shot in the arm they needed. They felt so good afterwards. There was so much celebrating. Andy feels like he can do this. The kids feel like they can do this. The parents aren't regretting this whole thing. It's just, it was, we needed it so bad. It was so great. That's and just I, the nick of time because they were about oh, to be renamed the, uh, the uh, Washington Generals. That's exactly right. I mean, Andy and I, I mean, Andy. Just Andy came up with some new ideas, you know, but we didn't have another practice before the next game. So thank God. This is this. Obviously, the kids heads are not made of basketballs. But uh, this, you know, Andy's getting, you know, look at this little guy leaning in. Oh, they're on the picket fence. Yeah. (laughs) Because Andy's, I think at this moment, who knows what he's saying, but he's he's doing like a big grizzly bear stance over the kids. And I think what he said, because he told me later was his only note was. Hands up, hands up, because when they stand with their hands down, they look like precious moments figurines and they're not even paying attention. Hands up, get them in the face, do the thing. And they won and they did great. So that was God, God, such a relief. Uh, And then like the parents even brought donuts because they already thought they knew in advance, like we're going to have to boost their morale when they lose. No, they were celebration donuts. All right. It was great. So after that, I took Coach Andy for a little BBQ. Uh, as we do, Mr. Keto, we had a, a giant plate of uh, mixed brisket, fat and lean. Nice. We had two hot links, some rib tips, and all was right with the world. Uh, and uh, that that was most of the weekend. Again, I didn't get to see any movies because I had a toddler. Um, yeah. This is the baby. I love Aww. him. I can't help it. His name is Gigi. It's Ukrainian. Gigi and Gigi. That's right. That's Gigi and Gigi. They joke that he was named after me, but Anna's part Ukrainian, half Ukrainian. And Gigi is like gr- like slang for grandpa. And he was he looks like a little old man. He's a little grandpa. Yeah. So he's That's Gigi. Right. He's my baby. And I, I take him to the dog park, which is 15 minutes away, twice a day. Oh, because great. I, my, that's why I can't have an animal. And frankly, why I can't have a kid full time. Because I have no, I don't understand how do you balance? Like my mind says this thing depends on you and really wants you around. So you must give yourself to it. Yeah. Plus with the puppy, like you said, this is, you got to get it out multiple times a day. This this dog needs exercise. Yes. And I thought I broke, I I really broke the code last night because technically our front yard's gated in. And I said, why would I ever let him run around out there? So it's the night he's going crazy. He loves it. And he finds it's huge. He finds the one dirt hill full of red ants oh and no digging and flopping and going on his back and rubbing his face in it and he's and i go oh, no, 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 no. grab him throw him in a sink that is not tub ready there's dishes 
it was mayhem. I was alone. Andy had three hours of basketball. I got the sprayer going. He's shaking water all over the goddamn floor, wow. all over me. It was, it was, it was grotesque. And then afterwards, because again, I don't know that much about dogs. He was wet. He was pissed off. I dry him off a little. And then they, do they get like angry zoomies? After I've never bath. seen that, but I mean, the zoomies, like maybe just because they've been cooped up in this little tub for so long. It took five What minutes. they perceive to be so long. True. I looked it up and they said that they, they are pissed off. And it's probably because, you know, it's this is like vanilla cedar dog shampoo. Oh, sure, sure. They don't recognize their own scent and they like, re- uh, they, they resent you for taking it away from them. Oh, so he interesting. was a real asshole for like a half hour. Just yeah, growling and like, that's interesting. I never thought about that. I always thought, you know, Charlie gets like water in his ear and then he's like sulking around, like shaking his oh, head. Oh, yeah. And that too. Yeah. He I can't shake so my head too much unless these things yeah, come Please off. don't. Uh, so it was a very easy, not, not a ton going on. Uh, Sunday, I was really excited. I worked all day on my extra dad, which will be coming out later this year. A little companion piece to my extra mom. It's a little bit different. And um, really, really, just really looking forward to that. And, um, you know, doing a lot of crowdsourcing because I never had a stepdad. I had stepmoms and I know stepdads, but I don't want to graft my opinion of being a stepmom. It's not the same. You know, there's plenty of crossover, but, you know, doing the appropriate, uh, you know, due diligence. It was really really rewarding working on that. And uh, when Andy went to play three games at the synagogue league that he belongs to, that remember, I named the team Post Shalom. Thank you very much. Everybody's still uh, excited about that. He finally gave me time to put together one of his birthday presents. His birthday is this week. And I have all these presents. And like I got him his Spider-Verse shoes. I already gave those to him. And I got some other things. But this one... was going to take a while to put together and like the dog he's always here underfoot underfoot so i said okay he's getting this one early he is i don't know if sneakerhead's the right word because i feel like that has a connotation that he like waits in those long lines and then resells shoes i don't know i feel like real sneakerheads would be proprietary over that term yeah but this guy, my husband, like all day and all night, all he's doing is like he's on StockX and like researching <sighs> shoes and like buying LeBrons. And- that puts him in a third category. So I bought enough of these really nice like showcase boxes for oh. 12 pairs, for half of his collection. And I put that together last night uh, while watching this reality show called Jailbirds, basically about women in a general pop prison sure. on Netflix. Um, and he was very excited when he got home. So that's he goes, why is this in the living room? And I go, because I know how much you like to look at your shoes. So this That's is the beginning of his collection. These are all his Nike, his Jordans and his LeBrons. He has the Space Jam ones in the top corner. I, and I trust his, you. His Arnold, they're not called Arnold Palmers. They're called like LeBron, LeBronald Palmers. Oh, really? And then, yeah, he has his Hot Wheels ones under there. And I mean, all he has his he has his Jordan he, everything. So well, he I'm loves- pretty I'm pretty ignorant about shoes. This could be like a two truths and a false segment. <laughs> I wouldn't know. No, like, two of these are real. One of them is fake. They're all real. He even buys them for the step my stepson, his child. He just bought him LeBrons, and I said, "You got to be kidding me!" For a kid that grows every five minutes, he goes, "They're on sale! They're on sale!" So he's a shoe shoe freak. Now the kid's a shoe freak. So anyway, I put that together watching Jailbirds uh, because I'd rather watch people 
having a harder time than me than having an easier time than me. That's why I don't watch Real Housewives or Vanderpump. I like hoarders. I like intervention. I like prison shows. So, yeah, that was the big there. But for the grace of God, go I. If that happened to me, I would no longer be interested in these shows. I think, Gina, you are probably one one mouthing off experience Mm. away from being a jailbird. So, um. So it was just, yeah, we, the puppy is scratching at the door right now. And that was, that was the big weekend. Is there anyone there to wrangle said puppy? Yeah. Um, we have names for ourselves. So Unky Herb is watching him. Um, do you remember the Simpsons episode where Danny DeVito came back as like their long lost rich the uncle? Brother. Oh yeah. The uncle. The brother, yeah. Yeah. Abe's brother. Yeah. And he goes, ah, yes. And he goes, ah, call me Unky Herb. And so, um, whenever we have Gigi and he's Unky Herb. And I'm Auntie Lady and uh, Kid Boy's cousin Kid Boy. So he's with Unky Herb right now. And then I'll take him to the dog park. Yeah. That's so nice. So please tell us something interesting. I'm begging you. Well, you're you're asking the wrong guy. But I will tell you a fun story from this morning uh, when I got my MRI. So long. I'll fast forward to the middle of the story. I'm, I'm getting... They tell me, even though I know the routine by now, I know what to wear. No metal, obviously. Right, right. Um, they still want me to change into the gowns. But this is a different location than I normally get my MRIs at because I had to go to Cedars, the hospital, to do this because they're doing the crazy, you know, they're doing right. the uh, the stickers, the, the electrodes, and, yeah. whatever. So couldn't go to a normal place, which is just an imaging place. Had to go to the hospital for this. So I'm getting changed into the gowns and uh, I step out of the little changing room. And the nurse is already there waiting for me. And I'm looking at her. I kind of I do a little bit of a double take. And she kind of holds out her arms almost like to embrace me. And I'm like, it's you. And it was uh, it was our long lost nurse, Cindy, who was my nurse for a hundred infusions uh, for the first 10 years of my uh, cancer journey. Um, she, after around COVID, when we weren't going in as much and, mm-hmm. you know, everything went crazy. She, I just lost track of her. I don't know, I don't know where she went. Uh, I assumed maybe like, oh, maybe she took early retirement or something. And she's like, no, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm here in this building, which is a different building, different, Aww. you know, different level of care. And she, I'm there sometimes. But I'm mostly here. And it was just so nice to reconnect with uh, Cindy, who was so sweet. And we had such fun, good, good laughs and good times together over the, you know, 10 years that I was going oh. in for infusions, like to have this friendly right. face, you know, almost every week. She was, she was the nurse I had by far the most often. You know what I mean? Mm. When I was getting infused every two weeks, every four weeks, and every whatever it was, six weeks, I probably had her half the time, 60% wow. of the time, another nurse all the rest of the times. Um, so it was just so great just to see that she was still working and, you know, and, what a, and, and, and great for her because you're there because of how much progress has been, you know, made in modern science. Yeah, seriously. She was shocked. Um, and she was wearing a mask. So I didn't recognize her at first. I was like, who is this person? Like, oh, you. And uh, so we uh, reconnected in a glorious okay. reunion. It was a lovely, it was a lovely, a little uh, friendly face, a familiar face uh, in an otherwise uh, unfamiliar situation. Good. Yes, That's that was great. Nice. So you you said that uh, you've been dealing with illness in your home. Yeah, I have, I, have no, I have nothing to report from this weekend because my daughter uh, had a very mild case, thankfully, of the flu. But I mean, she was out for a couple of days. How does that affect you going into surgery? Uh, uh. Gina, yesterday was a day I had to get. I, I 
How long oh. do I want to make this story? Oh boy. Um, I, I, text, I texted my, my oncologist who is de facto my just doctor. You know, he's right. my primary care physician. Right. And I texted him because we have that kind of relationship now. Sure. And I'm like, Hey, sorry about you on a Sunday. You know, Tessa got diagnosed with the, actually I texted him, I think on Saturday. And I was like, Tessa got diagnosed with the flu. We took an urgent care. You know, she's recovering. But obviously, I've been around her for a few days. So do I need to get tested? He's like, yeah, you definitely get tested. I was feeling fine. Uh, and so I went in for the test to Cedars Urgent Care in Culver City. And uh, they did the test. And the results came back like 10 minutes later. It's like, yes, you actually have influenza A. Oh, and then, no! And I was like, I, I was crestfallen because I have no symptoms. I feel perfectly fine. Um, Tessa, Tessa at that point was even on the rebound. Like she was outside of a mild cough. She, you know, fever gone. Uh, oh, no. You know, all, all the other stuff gone. And so now it's Sunday and I, I need to like track down this surgeon because I have an MRI at 8 a.m. the next day. Oh and I have my procedure two days after that at like 5 a.m. So long story short, called the Cedars Answering Service. They, they sent a message to the doctor. Uh, apparently, my oncologist even texted him because they worked together. And he was like, hey, call Brian just you know, so you guys get on the same page, et cetera, et cetera. I spoke to him. I explained the situation. He was like, are you experiencing any symptoms? Like, thankfully, none. I, I had a bit of a runny nose like, like on Wednesday, but like nothing since then. And he's like, well, if, it, if you develop symptoms then we'd have to postpone this whole thing because, you know, for example, he said, if we need to put a breathing tube in you for this procedure, that's obviously an issue because that's where the, you know, your, your uh, virus lives, uh, the flu virus. And I'm like, I understand. I will keep, he's like, keep me posted. I'm like, I will keep you posted on any developments. But as of now, everything feels fine. Oh, so let's just go ahead and go. I, I think I said to him in, in so many words, I said, I have a, I have constructed a semi elaborate house of cards around this procedure going off on Tuesday, and if it doesn't, it would be borderline catastrophic to my plans. So, if it's medically necessary to postpone, I understand, but only if it's medically necessary. If there's any oh, wiggle room, we're going through it this thing. And he's like, "Yeah, as long as you don't feel any symptoms, you're fine." I thought it was because. Even if you have the flu, because it's a procedure and I'm assuming you'll be out, um, that it's like immune system wise, it will it will be much harder to recover from the flu after an operation. I might be I might I, be I glad really by this time tomorrow. But oh, that's okay, it. we'll find that's out. So, well, we all could be. But that said, um as long I think the only thing that would exacerbate that are actual flu symptoms, right? Like, yeah, I, like if if you have a cough or difficulty right. breathing or a fever right. or you know what I right. mean? What none of which I actually have. Oh so, thank God. Knock on wood, we're moving it's forward. all it's all so happening. Yesterday was a day. Thankfully I had already logged Barbie and Oppenheimer. So I was I, I was free to uh, deal with medical <laughs> medical situation. Okay, we're, we're getting into that, right? Please, I mean. Okay, for, you know, first things first. You, you did you did Barbenheimer, which in what order did you do it? I did the 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 the, the order God intended, which is Barbie and then Oppenheimer. No, no, that's not the order God intended. You're supposed to do it the other way around. I'm joking. I don't give. Oh, I saw one different days. I saw Barbie. Oh, at okay. Three thirty on a Thursday, and uh, 
and I saw Oppenheimer at 10 a.m. on okay. Friday. So it was a 24 was hour, say, 22 hour Barbenheimer. Okay. Because if that was back to back, I mean, it, all the good vibes you had are just literally obliterated. Hey, listen, especially be, because I, you know, I host the film vaults and I, I did Baldywood on the Corolla show for so long. Right. I've seen a lot of movies and a lot of movies back to back, especially around award season when it's yeah. like January or something. And I got to see. I don't know, 1917 and, and Moonlight, or I don't know if there's the same year, but you know what I'm right. saying? Like yeah, I've yeah. seen heavy double features, believe uh-huh. me. So this, uh, this was enjoyable by comparison. Oh, good. Yeah. Cause I, again, dying to see it, fluffy dog, too feel, feel too guilty to leave my house. Um, I saw a headline right before we fired this up and I want to know if before anything, if you notice this, the headline said something like Barbie audiences reporting they can hear the bomb go off in the Oppenheimer theater. Ah, That's funny. And now I didn't notice that. Okay. Maybe I did. Now that I think about it. (laughs) Um, I really, truly don't know anything about the Barbie movie. I've kind of kept it that way on purpose. And, you know, Oppenheimer, I know the story, but not the movies, you know, the movie version. So you are an expert at walking the fine line of telling us what we need to know without going, oh, I would have seen that myself. So I trust you. We are all in your capable hands. Take it away. I'll do what I can. So Barbie, let's start with Barbie. It's a 2023 film, obviously, uh, directed by Greta Gerwig, uh, written by Greta Gerwig and her real life husband slash partner. I'm not quite sure what they're, they're like New York hipsters. So they don't sure. get married. They just live together. Sure. But uh, Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, who is a uh, celebrated indie filmmaker, both celebrated indie filmmakers, uh, starring Margot Robbie as the titular Barbie, uh, Ryan Gosling as Ken, America Ferreira, uh, Ariana Greenblatt, Issa Rae, mm. Kate McKinnon, Simu Liu, uh, Michael Sarah, Will Ferrell, and Real Rhea Perlman are all what? in this movie. I didn't even know that part. She plays uh, old crusty Barbie. Awesome. No, she does not. Uh, 90% of Rotten Tomatoes. And notably, I should point out that the audience, I believe, is just about... Last I saw, it changes a little by a little here and there. But last I saw, uh, the audience and the critics both had this at 90% on Rotten wow. Tomatoes, which, as our old boss used to point out, that's the sign of a good movie. You got it Absolutely. right. You know, everyone, everyone agrees that... Uh, that not everyone, but you know what I mean. There is universal acclaim. Yes. Yes. being uh, shown to this movie. Um, it is in theaters now. Uh, and uh, if it's interesting to anyone, made $155 million at the box office over the weekend. That is uh, a new record for a movie directed by a female director. Of course, Greta Gerwig. Congratulations to her and everyone involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it was number one at the box office by a log shot. Um, I'm watching this movie. So the idea, I'll give you a brief rundown because I don't want to give away too much. The, 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 the premise is that Barbie lives in Barbie land and, uh, it is populated entirely with Barbies. Every woman is named Barbie and is some <laughs> version of a Barbie doll that was released and created. And by the way, footnote, are we, how, give me your, what's your level of interest in Barbie dolls or what was? <laughs> I had every Barbie doll. I had every Barbie outfit. Oh. I had the, I had the, the car, never had the dream house, but my childhood was very Barbie forward. Well, you are going to, you're going to enjoy this on a, on a level that I cannot access, which okay. is you will recognize many little in jokes of like, Oh my God, that character. And Oh my God, that Barbie. And I Oh, that wait. one that was discontinued. And yes! that one that was oh, attempted. Like they have a lot of fun with Michael Sarah playing 
I think Alan, he was like Ken's buddy. I've heard about that. Is there any, and I almost don't want to know, but like, does Skipper make an appearance? You'll have to wait and see. Okay. Okay, uh, but I will say that the, the universe is very well re- represented, uh, and so they live in Barbie Land, where the women are all very accomplished. There's there's <laughs> there's President Barbie and Lawyer Barbie, and you know uh, uh, Astronaut Barbie. Every every you know icon Iteration. Barbie every Barbie icon is yes. represented as like you know the pillar of society right. in uh, Barbie Land, and then there's Ken. And there's tons of Kens and they're fun <laughs> and they're funny, but they're all just kind of versions of, you know, beach bros. Like yeah. I wanna even I wouldn't even go into it, but like Ken has a limited palette. You know what I mean? Ken <laughs> Ken Ken's uh Ken's game is limited. Like Coach Andy yeah. might say, Can't go left. You know, ah, he, only has, he only has the one he only has the one shot. Sure, sure. So uh and then they end up uh, I, I only want to tease this because the movie <laughs> unfolds really artfully. Um they end up in the real world, which I'll probably you could guess from the trailer yeah. and, the, yeah. and, the, and the commercials. They end up in the real world where, spoiler alert, um, women aren't treated quite as uh, as uh, reverently as they are in Barbie Land. What? Uh, and uh, yeah, it is, it's more of a reflection it's on fantasy. our society. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah it's, it's a heightened reality, I guess right. you would say. Um, and so um, <laughs> I'll, I'll simply say, without saying too much, Ken loves it. Ken's like, this is the best fucking place on earth. And Barbie's like, we got to get back to Barbie land. And Ken's like, no, we don't. And so I'll leave it there. Cause oh, that's, that's really, that's really the first act of the movie. And then it kind of unfolds from there. Um, as you can probably guess from what I'm describing, it's a really tricky tone. And I think the movie does a really good job of uh, nailing it. Um, it makes its points without belaboring them. And now, I'll, I'll make a big asterisk here, which is your definition of belabor might differ mm-hmm. than mine. Um, might may differ from mine. Like someone tweeted me, I think the day I saw it, and I, I, I tweeted like, "Oh, this is a really good movie." Someone tweeted me and was bemoaning the fact that the word patriarchy was said like unironically like ten times. And to which I was, I didn't respond, but I thought to myself, "It is very ironic. Like if the movie is having fun with it. It's lampshading mm-hmm. it. It's totally self aware." And like the idea is that like Barbie until this moment has not has, has, doesn't have any concept of the word, let alone the uh, the concept of mm-hmm. a uh, patriarchy. So she mm-hmm. is learning this in real time. And yes, they're throwing it around to an absurd degree. Like yeah, they're probably ten times in a minute. But yeah, that, like uh, that's the like joke. Yeah, like in the Family Guy, like um, Peter and the chicken, like the chicken fight that goes on for eighteen minutes. You're like, this is the episode. That's the joke. Yeah, it, it's thankfully it's not um, Family Guys. Has, that's a, a big part of their humor is like drawing things out to an right. absurd degree. That doesn't happen a lot in this movie, right. but in this one instance, it kind of does. Um, so it's and it becomes a sort of double fish out of water story where sure. Barbie, of course, is not in Barbie Land, and Ken is not in Barbie Land, and they they experience very different things. Oh, um, so yeah, I think it really nailed the tone, which is tough for a movie like this. Like this movie could. You off one direction where it's extremely silly and extremely lightweight, or it could skew off in a weird direction where it's very cynical about right. Barbie, but right. it really treads the line for kind of both. Like it's not cynical about Barbie at all. It's if anything, it's kind of hopeful, you know, for what Barbie has done has done and can do for like little girls, while also acknowledging, yeah, you know, maybe Barbie was a little 
you know, a, a bit of a narrow lane there for a while. Right. Well, and it's funny, I'm seeing a lot of women uh, on Twitter, while we're still calling it Twitter, saying uh-huh. like, yeah, I never really got like bad, you know, body image vibes from Barbie. Barbie's a toy. I got it from, you know, teen beat and 17 and saying like, you know, lose that flab in five days for summer, you know? So it's like, I I always kind of knew Barbie was a toy. Understood. Yeah. I imagine imagine, you know, this probably refers to the days before teen beat, you know, before our time, obviously when Barbie came around and was the, 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 young female epitome of beauty. I, I, I think that's a whole nother discussion that I'm not qualified to have, but I, I see I see where it comes from. Yeah. Um, do they ever refer to her as Barbara Millicent Roberts? I don't believe. I don't believe. That's that, her full name. Well, okay. For sure, not the last name, the middle name, okay. but I don't think they ever... Call her Barbara. Mary from Barbara. Anyway. Uh, okay. I'm just curious. No, I don't and, remember that. And I don't know anything about this scene or why this character's in it. I have no idea. But another headline I saw is that Greta Gerwig fought for the scene with the old woman because they wanted to take the studio wanted to take it out. Do you think whatever that scene is was helpful? Do you know even know? Do you remember it? I mean, the only old woman I can remember is 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 real Perlman. Apparently, there was another old woman. Oh, okay. So apparently, it's you know. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, at the bus stop. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. No, but I, I have a memory. I have a vague rem- memory of that being a why it would have it's, to be it's taken three out. Seconds, so I can't oh, imagine. Okay. Or maybe it's eight seconds. You know what I mean? It, I if eh, I can't remember just, that being problematic. It, maybe it's just promo. You know, a way to yeah, keep, yeah. You know, it in the headlines. Um, um, I will say this movie is a mortal lock for an Oscar nomination for set design. I have oh. never seen such spectacular set design. It. it I can't, obviously you can't guarantee it's going to win because who knows what what else comes out this year, but there's not a world where this is not nominated for best uh, set design. Of course. Production design. Of course. uh, The big, one of the big news headlines was that there was a real shortage of pink paint while (laughs) this movie was in production. And, and and then, you know, uh, uh, T- tangentially and a shortage of white and red to make more pink, you know, if you're just sort of doing it on the fly. I'll also, you know, speaking of which, I will also, um, I don't, I don't, I'm not great at predictions, but I will make this prediction, which is I, I will, I will tentatively say that, you know, it's hard to sort of, um, identify a sort of cultural moment while it's happening. Mm-hmm. That said, Barbie. It could be one of those movies that comes around every four or five years, like Get Out, like that yes. really captures the public consciousness wow, and yeah. has like a life beyond the screen. Like when I went to see it with Christy, there were, it was a packed house. I mean, every seat was full, sold out. Um, and there were probably 40% of the audience, maybe more, but for a minimum, 40% of the audience was wearing pink. To the point Dressed that up, yeah. it wasn't a coincidence, you know what I yeah. mean? Like they were, they were there to celebrate this movie and this happening. And honestly, I, I, if we get to Oppenheimer, I'll mention that the story came out that was uh, retweeted by guest of the show, Matt Bellany, that 6% of the audience for Oppenheimer only went to see the movie because Barbie was sold out. According to, <laughs> according to survey data, now that is a that's a moment that's like you can't buy that publicity. No. You know what I mean? That's just one of those things where it's like it's just a harbinger of like, oh, this this could be a movie that resonates beyond the movie theater. Like that is. I'll give you. I, I will make this prediction. I feel confident about this. Normally, when you see a big blockbuster 
like the, the next week it falls off box office wise about 60%. Like, you know, uh, people saw it and opening day yeah, yeah. or they saw we're, the first weekend. Yeah. Typically around 60. So sometimes it's a really bad movie. It'll fall off even more than that because the word of mouth is so bad. I would not be shocked if Barbie only fell off by 40% or less. Oh, less. Like, yeah. The, because- the word of mouth is, is outstanding. Not only, yeah, as everybody, you know, wants to see it who hasn't, but the second wave, I'm sure they'll see it again. People who love uh, it. Yeah, really Christy love already it. wants to bring uh, our daughter to see it. And that's oh, the that, people who asked me about the kids seeing it. That was another question. It's for sure not, it's not inappropriate. All the jokes are, anytime there's a, a joke that's for adults, it's very tongue in cheek, it's very double entendre. I, I think th- this movie is probably rated PG 13, but a very, very, very soft. PG-13. It's more about nuance, right? They just wouldn't get it. Yeah, no, completely. That's that's what I said to some people on on online, which is uh, it's not inappropriate. But that said, there's a lot of stuff they're not going to get. Yeah, yeah. The last movie I can confidently say as a woman that people dressed up like the characters to go see was the original Sex in the City movie because I was required to, or I was not going to be given my ticket by my and friends. It's interesting because. I was thinking, so I was thinking about this record, 155 million box office by female director. I'm like, huh, even more than like Hunger Games. And I'm like, Hunger mm. Games had, much like Sex in the City, had the advantage of having this existing IP going into it. Now, of course, right. Barbie does, but the big difference is people could not wait for the Hunger Games. People could not yes. wait for Sex in the City because they love the TV show. Barbie is, was Barbie even like being like were new Barbies even being produced? Who knows? My point I mean, is, I don't think Barbie was a hot no, property. No. In fact, in fact, I I remember specifically many people uh, tweeting me, maybe us, because we would talk about this from me a month ago. Like, oh, there's a Barbie movie coming out here starring Margot Robbie, and a lot of people were like, "How bad is that going to be?" Or how you know, what, what, under what circumstances would you actually see that movie? I'm like, honestly, there's a good chance that it could be good, and it's it's actually really good. That's so interesting because remember when Amy Schumer was attached to it and she dropped out? Oh, wow. I know know it's been in production for pre-production. Yeah, forever. So what she said, yeah. And I thought, oh, is she playing Barbie? And maybe that was what was supposed to happen. But she said in a clip of another interview I was watching that she dropped out because at the time, and did they have a different director and like a different vision? I'm sure. I have no doubt. At the time, it was kind of dumb very sort of not very pro-feminist, just sort of like a tacky movie that you kind of would, you know, a lot of people would expect. And this is a, a 180 or as our, you know, people say a 360 yep. away from um, what she signed up for and she didn't want to be a part of. So it's, she, a, you know, it's a really said, smart this is movie. The movie I was yeah. hoping for. Yeah. Um, and also just one more thing, because I we are talking Please. about Oppenheimer yeah. no matter what. Um, it's called Barbie. It's about Barbie dolls. Why are angry grown men rushing to see it and be angry about it? It's bar- it's called Barbie and it's for Barbie people who like yeah, Barbies. It's 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 a weird thing. I think uh I don't think it's any surprise to you or me or any of our listeners that s- some people like need fuel for the fire, something to be outraged about. Um I don't know why this would outrage some people. It's a it's objectively good and if it's not your thing, if it's not up your wheelhouse, if it's off your radar, leave this for other people who enjoy. I feel the same way about the Super Bowl and like the nerds who hate the Super Bowl. It's like, hey, sports ball. Just acknowledge that this thing happens and it's yeah. for some people and some people love it. 
Yeah, that's the thing. My, I mean, I have all these little teeny tiny points not having seen the movie yet, but it's only there's only one point to make. It's called Barbie. It wasn't made for you. It wasn't and made I, for your enjoyment. Also, it's not for it's you. A, it's a bit of a divining. I don't like to, well, whatever. I, I, I prefer not to call certain people up, but like I was, I, I was walking out of this movie thinking, how does, how did, you know, I'm thinking of the Rotten Tomatoes score, which at the time was like 89, 90%, whatever. I'm like, how does anyone in the right mind give this a negative review? Because mm. th- this is just objectively a good movie. Uh, and I, I'm thinking to myself, and then I said to myself, because that's how I, I think, I said, mm. unless you're like a, a former uh, a, a guest of our old show, unless you're like a Christian Toto type, who mm. Christian's a really nice guy. He's a movie reviewer. I, I like him. I always got along with Christian. I don't have a bad thing to say about him personally, but he has a certain point of view that he is dogmatically attached to. And I'm like, unless you're like, you know, uh, this, this doesn't agree with your worldview and thus you mm. must represent that in your review. And I went home to Rotten Tomatoes and looked up and the first negative review is Christian Toto. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I'm like, of course. I mean, you can predict, you know, right. you can set your watch to certain people with certain points of view not liking this movie. Well, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, it's so baffling to me and very meta, you know, like that, that Barbie goes into this world where right. she doesn't understand and the people in our world go in and they don't understand. But it, is it that much of a leap to say like, you know, we made, you know, super hot, insanely smoking smoke show blonde Barbie. You know, sometimes we make her astronauts. So little girls have something to hope for and that, you know, whatever. And then is it that far of a leap to say that? smoking hot blondes with unattainable uh, measurements aren't always, uh, you know, just handed uh, Nobel prizes. I mean, is this so far of a leap to make a movie that lampoons this idea? Yeah. You should, you should, you should see it sooner rather than later because it's, it's a, it's a smart movie. It's, it's a, again, as objectively as I can, it's a fun movie. It's a smart movie. And it's uh, it's a good time, you know. I, oh, good. I, I I don't necessarily agree with every single thing in the movie, but I'm like, this is a well made, good film. Right. There's no denying that. Yeah, great, can't wait. I, and I, again, not having seen it, the only for whatever reason, it's being tied to my brain. Like, it's smart in possibly an idiocracy way. You know, it's 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 heightening and lampooning somewhere where we either are going or have been. But I could yeah. be off. No, I would compare it more, and it's not as good, but I would compare it more to like the Lego movie where I, it I is, was it too. is 100% in, like it, yes. it is not pulling yes. punches, but at the same time, it's also, um, you know, commenting, uh, using this absurdity to comment on our society for better or worse. I'm so glad you said that. I said that to Andy. I go, I'm getting Lego movie vibes from the trailer, just the, that, that same yeah. way. Okay. No, it's, it's got um, a similarity. We must talk Oppenheimer because this is, you know, this is the pair. This is the pair that nobody asked for. That's right. Please speak. I really want to talk to Matt Bellany, our old guest, and ask how, like, I feel like it was just a game of chicken where no one blinked. And then all of a sudden we have these two (laughs) movies committed to this date. And so I saw Oppenheimer the next day, written and directed by Christopher Nolan, uh, who we'll go over his filmography in a moment. Um, There is a Gina. There is a massive cast in this movie. I can list them all. Not all, but you know what I mean? All the notables. But let's just say that that you will not go more than three minutes in this three-hour film without seeing somebody in a speaking role where you're like, oh, that person, I love that that actor. Like 
where, where do I go? Like uh, uh, Matthew Modine pops up like in, in, a, in a role that has two right. scenes. Amazing. Yeah, so, uh, it, it's uh, it's peppered. It's like with it's stars. like a Gary Marshall rom com. All the stars are packed in. In a way, in a way, although I mean, very, very different, obviously. <laughs> uh, execution. Killian Murphy stars as the titular J. Robert Oppenheimer, father of the uh, nuclear age. Uh, Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, Robert Downey Jr., who I didn't know was in the film, uh, is a big part of it. Uh, as is Florence Pugh, and welcome back, Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett has a meaty yeah. role in this movie. I heard ninety-four percent Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, this is in theaters now. Like I mentioned, six percent of viewers saw this because Barbie was sold out. That is, I, I, that's wild. That has, when's the last time that happened? I, I couldn't tell you. That's I crazy. Mean, that's so that, that reminds you of like, oh, sorry, footnote. Do you remember when um, the new, the, the, in like 1999, when the new Star Wars movie was coming out and they attached a trailer to, oh, that terrible Matthew Lillard movie. Um uh, some Freddie Prince, like some space space war thing. Oh yeah, Battle Star something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The I Phoenix do remember Man, that trailer. Something Command, Battle Commander, Star Command. Oh fuck, whatever it was, they attached it and like the movie did really well because people bought tickets to see the Star mm-hmm. Wars trailer and they mm-hmm. booked. You know, they were just like, "I'm out of here." So I guess maybe like one of those rare moments. Um, made eighty million dollars at the box, eighty million dollars wow. the box office, which is very respectable. Uh, finished second, obviously. Stands in stark contrast to Barbie because uh, at least uh, you know, vis-a-vis the patriarchy, uh, so to speak. At one point, they lampshaded a little bit because the movie's set you know in World War II for the most part, and at one point uh, they're building. Uh, I'll get the plot in a second. They're building Los Alamos, which is where they tested the nuclear bomb, developed the nuclear bomb, um, and uh, the scientists all moved out there to live there for basically a year or two. At one point, a female scientist shows up and she says to Oppenheimer, she's like, yeah, I showed up and... uh, uh, Hold on. No, that's not true. Wing Commander. Wing Commander was the movie. Wing Commander. Maybe that was maybe that was one of the other prequels. So maybe I got that detail wrong. Apologies, apologies for that. So in this movie, a female uh, scientist shows up out in the middle of the desert and says to Oppenheimer, "Where do I go?" And and he's like, "Oh, didn't they tell you?" And like, "No, they asked me if I could type." And he's like, "Oh, well, you know, you go over here with the scientist because obviously, if a woman shows up to you know science lab in 1947, they're going to she's in the steno pool exactly." Um, And then uh, hold on, right here. Yeah, that's where she could type. And then also, there's a um, segment about his divorce that goes amicably well for him. It, it is very, uh, it, it, it couldn't, it is as though there was an arbitrator who was on one side. <laughs> but I, so I digress. Is, is this supposed to be fairly true to life? Not, not too many liberties taken. From what I understand, Christopher Nolan. What, like committed to making an Oppenheimer movie about the bomb, about him, about whatever, and then read the biography uh, the movie's based upon. So I think it was sort of a reverse engineered uh, mm-hmm. way to get to the truth. And again, there's so much stuff that you know you can interpret or that you can um, translate in certain ways, you know, from the guy's life. I believe, I haven't heard too much that it's wildly inaccurate. I think it's fairly accurate. Yeah. Who, who knows and- with some of the, you know, 
pillow talk or whatever. Oh, sure, sure. But also, um, just on a very, very side note, when back when I lived in New York in the early 2000s, there was a very successful off-Broadway play called The Bomb about Oppenheimer. And I oh. haven't been able to find any connection between the play and the movie. So maybe it was just ahead of its time because it was it was like a cult hit. Oh, and really? Yeah. And I haven't I've Googled it a million times. It's nowhere to be found. So, it's, so well, it's based on the book is what you're saying. Well, that, yeah, I say the book, but actually I'm sure one of many I'm dropping on has been written about as much as anyone this century right. or in the last century. So uh, it starts off with a young Oppenheimer, young being like college aged and um, good. I, I was so excited when I first heard about this, not just because it's a Christopher Nolan movie, but because I love Kellyanne Murphy, the actor who plays oh, Oppenheimer. Too. And just for the opportunity for this normally character actor to get an opportunity to lead a huge budget summer tentpole, probably the most anticipated movie of the summer, um, is, is awesome. That's what you hope for when it's, uh, you know, when, when you hear about a movie like this. Yeah, it's funny you should say that because from your movie watching perspective, you're absolutely right. You know, like Scarecrow or like all these weird roles he plays because he's yeah, kind of red like, eye and yeah, yeah weird, hot, hot, weird looking. But for us TV fans, he's the hot, sexy lead in Peaky Blinders. And it's like, oh, we knew he could wow. lead a movie. Yeah, he was the lead in 28 Days Later, which is a great right. movie, but a little movie like this is right. This is like Ben Aff, like Tom Cruise territory, right? right? Like yes. headlining a movie like this. But Christopher Nolan brings his own cachet. Like his movies are often the the movies that aren't based on a prequel or a sequel or a reboot or a, a Marvel movie or whatever. Right. Like they're standalone properties, right. which is what we have here. So Oppenheimer is in college. It, it's as much a biography of his, the middle of his life as it is a biography of the bomb itself, of nuclear technology, the nuclear age. He recruits scientists after he himself is recruited by Matt Damon to, uh, you know, head up the nuclear project. It, it's a story I think we're all vaguely familiar with to varying degrees. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, it obviously deals a lot with his personal life. And there's a whole third act that is all about like investigations after the fact into his uh, operation. Uh, he's being questioned kind of like, um, the, uh, imitation game with Benedict Cumberbatch where like they spent mm. the first two acts breaking the German enigma machine and that or uh, the code. And then, you know, the third act is all about the fallout Tragic. of what happened. Later. Right. Yeah. So, um, I don't have much to say about the plot. It is what it is. It's spe spectacular filmmaking. You know what I mean? It, it's a, it, Christopher Nolan is, is, a, is a filmmaker on top of his game right. of, of uh, all time regard. You know, the guy is a great filmmaker and he, and he will be for hopefully for a long time. Um, I will say that the sound mix and I had heard this uh -oh. from other people after I posted it about it on Twitter, which I'm not the only one to experience this. The sound mix is overwhelming to the degree that it was like drowning out some dialogue. Oh, I, I hate like, that so much. And apparently I, that's Chris, Christopher Nolan's like thing over his last few movies. Like people are like, yeah, and Tenet, I missed a lot of the dialogue. Tenet? Try Batman. Oh, yeah. Tenet was, first of all, Tenet made zero sense. So the dialogue would have helped. Batman, Bane, not only had a CPAP on the whole time, you couldn't understand anything in the movie. Yeah. So why does he do that? Christopher Nolan's a genius. Why does he do this? Well, it's funny because the sound design is magnificent. Like the, that bomb when it goes off of in the Trinity test is wild. 
Um, you know, so there, again, Mortal Lock. There's no chance. There's no chance that it doesn't get nominated for sure. sound design or sound editing or whatever they're calling it these days. Best sound. Uh, it, it's magnificent. It's it's an achievement in the form. That said, it does make it a bit inaccessible to 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 normal people, of which I consider myself one. And he has Christopher Nolan has a history of this. I'd love to know what his reasoning is. Well, let's talk about that history. Gary, if you could put the image up, because I want to talk about... It's hard to rank Christopher Nolan films, right? Because Mm -hmm. they're very divisive and not just divisive. Like, for example, I think I am much higher on Interstellar than like than like the market. You know what I mean? I think most people have it around the middle. I love Interstellar. I think it's a masterpiece. You and I, this is definitely one of our Atlas Cloud moments. Interstellar is one of my absolute favorite movies in the entire world. It is my, my top, in my top five easily favorite movies I've ever seen. Yeah, it's great. So full disclosure, I've not seen Following, his Neither. 1998 debut that's like an hour and 10 minutes. I, I Forgive me for that. But I've seen all of his other films. And rather than rank them, I think we can put them in the like tiers. So you tell me if you agree or disagree. And knowing okay. that knowing that people respond differently to his movie. So in tier one, like his best of his best, I have The Dark Knight, I have Inception, I have Memento, and I have Interstellar. Agreed. Now, no, some, no question. Some people might you know, feel differently in tier two. No question. Now, the problem, by the way, with, with Nolan is that even when you get into like tier three, or tier the you know the bottom of tier two, we're still talking about really good movies, right? You know what I mean? The guy makes really good movies for right. the most part. So middle of the like a movie like Oppenheimer, which is good for me, only comes in tier two because uh. I, that that's that squishy middle. Well, let's start with tier three. His three least favorite movies for me: Dunkirk. I know a lot of people love it. I I find it very middle of the road. Tenet and Insomnia. Insomnia is a tough thing. I. I would put Insomnia in tier two, um, but you're absolutely right on the money with Dunkirk with me. And uh, very curious where you put the prestige. That's the thing. I never talk about a big squishy middle for, for Christopher Nolan because is Batman Begins better than the prestige? Is Oppenheimer better than the Dark Knight Returns? Like these are all movies of good quality, mm-hmm. but like, I guess, I, I guess it's, you know, whatever you prefer, because I could make a case that Batman Begins is his best movie in that tier, or I could make a case that Oppenheimer is the best right. movie in that tier. They, they all offer some level of quality right. uh, that unfortunately doesn't quite get it to the top of like tier one. But, you know, these are all very good movies. Well, and it's it's what a compliment to Christopher Nolan to say other people's absolute legacy best is your second tier because yeah that, I, I made that observation on Oppenheimer which is this would be the crowning achievement of almost any other director's career or for Christopher Nolan it's kind of middle of the road for him yeah. it's still a so very it, good it's movie a solid silver medal yeah it's a it's a it's a very good movie and if you can sit for three hours and not go pee then yeah you should probably subject yourself to it it's not fun <laughs> It's not fun like Barbie is, but it's right. undeniably very well made. And and if you love movies and you want to see an event, then you kind of have to, you know, you have to go make this part of your life. And as you said, with sound mixing, I think that you would, I, I would, can only imagine how much you'd benefit by seeing it in a theater. Oh, I mean, 
Yes. People ask us a lot because, you know, normal people, they go see one, two movies a year. You know, it's That's a babysitter yeah. and it's dinner and it's, mm-hmm. it's a $25 ticket and it's a Friday night. And it's like, Hey, I want to spend my money wisely. And it's like, I would say, I would say both of these are worth your time. If you're looking for an event, like a movie that you will lose a lot watching it at home. Yes. Oppenheimer is that movie. I don't think you lose a lot watching Barbie at home. I think it's a really, really, really good movie that you should see in the theater because it's culturally relevant and part of the discussion, as they say. But if you're talking about what has a bigger drop off from home to or from theater to home, Oppenheimer by far. Sure. And I would also think that Barbie benefits from seeing with a big full house, which would be so much fun. Yeah, no one, yes, no one is laughing or applauding or reacting in any way to Oppenheimer other than with the occasional shift in your seat. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can't, I, my interest is, is duly still peaked in both. The only movie that I really care about that I don't know if anyone else does, let alone has never heard of, um, wondering if you even, if it's on your radar at all, I can't wait to see theater camp. Oh yeah, I, I I was confused if that was a documentary or a narrative film. Oh no, it's a, a movie. It's a narrative it's, film. Yeah. It's Ben Platt. It, it kind of sounds like it's like a cross between Pitch Perfect and Waiting for Guffman, which is a perfect movie for me. So those three, once this dog leaves, I'm going to go move into the movie theater. Nice. Well, it's a good time for movie theaters. Mission Impossible uh, is oh, very yeah. good. I mean, I won't spend one. time on it other than to say it's very good, and that also loses something from the theater to home. Sure. So. I mean, it's a great time. Even Indiana Jones is above average. Like, there's a lot of good movies out there. Is is this the Mission Impossible that they've been, you know, pumping out on Instagram, showing him behind the scenes going, excuse me, off the ramp on a motorcycle and then parachuting into yeah, a cliff? into into a gorge. More, multiple times, like, ah, I think I got a better one in me. Like, this guy's crazy. And uh, yeah. he's, he's Tom Cruise. It's, uh, it's, it's really well done. I mean, I grow weary of the Mission Impossibles just because I have a hard time telling you the difference between number four and number five, <laughs> for example, or three or any of them. That said, uh, it's, a, it's an excellent movie. It's very well made. It's not okay. a waste of your time. It's, it's fun. So we are in peak movie theater season um you know this is the time to enjoy stuff is there a strike going on yes but you know what you're still allowed to go see and enjoy the products that are out there and it sounds like this is the time to do it catch the wave right now yeah the the summer uh flower is in full bloom i think spider-man's even on some screen still out there like there's really there's really good movies you guys go out and see them enjoy my dying wish is for you all to go out to the theater and see all these uh, fun movies. Yes, his dying wish in 50 years. Jewelry is having a big moment right now. And with hundreds of products popping up in your feed every day, it can be hard to find a brand you trust. Alex and Ani has been creating meaningful jewelry for over 20 years, designing pieces that connect you with all of life's important moments. With an emphasis on value, there's truly something for everyone. You might be most familiar with their signature charm bangle. This bracelet literally created the category of meaningful jewelry and had you stacking charms from your wrist to your elbow. This piece is an icon for a reason, completely size inclusive 
each bracelet is adorned with a symbol designed to tell your story and express your unique style. Beyond the bangle, you'll find stylish, affordable jewelry for every occasion, from classic pieces to bold statement looks. Don't know where to start? Alex and Ani makes it easy to unpack the trends you're after and sprinkle in your personality too. Each piece comes with a personalized message and meaning, truly making it the perfect gift. You can take comfort in knowing that you're shopping with a socially conscious brand as well. To date, Alex and Ani has donated over $60 million to nonprofits worldwide, connecting fashion and philanthropy in an easy, fun, affordable way. Visit alexandani.com right now to discover the confidence that comes with a perfectly accessorized piece of jewelry. Right now, Alex and Ani is offering our audience 20% off with code MIDAS at checkout. Again, head to alexandani.com. That's A-L-E-X-A-N-D-A-N-I.com and use code MIDAS at checkout for 20% off your order. Okay. Amazing. Thank you for that. You are going to be uh, recovering because everything's going to go swimmingly and resting. We will play uh, our shows just a little behind the scenes peek for you by ear just to see how you're feeling. Hopefully you're feeling good enough to uh, drag your ass to a kitchen chair and chit chat with me next Tell week. Me. And uh, yeah, can't wait. Thank you. And we we I'm not even going to say good luck with the surgery because it's going to go perfectly. So you don't need luck. Amazing. I look forward to rejoining uh, you and Gary and the listeners and everyone and our guests uh, just uh, as soon as I can. Hopefully, uh, maybe I'll miss one show, but uh, that hopefully that'll be it. And I'll be back in the saddle as mediocre as ever. <laughs> if you want to send Brian your well wishes or... Uh... You know, whatever. He can take it. At Bald Brian on Twitter. Me at Gina Grad. Tell us what movies you're excited about or what exceeded or didn't exceed your expectations. Um, I'm very curious because I'm about to go see a crop of movies when this little beast goes home. Never and I'm my husband. Yeah. And uh okay, so we'll get out of here. Uh Brian, everything's gonna go great. And for you people, have a great day and we'll talk to you real soon. Thank you for listening to The Brian and Gina Show. To get in touch with the hosts or buy their books, hit them up at at baldbrian and at Gina Grad on Twitter and Instagram or by email at podcasts at lamag.com. To get connected with LA Magazine, hit them up at at lamag on Twitter and Instagram. Talk soon.